Welcome to Life of the School, episode 16. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher at Acton-Boxborough Regional High School in Acton, Massachusetts. Each episode on Life of the School, I like to sit down with a fellow life science teacher and talk to them about how they got into the classroom, what they're currently working on, and what they hope to do in the future. Uh, This episode, I get to sit down with Paul Anderson. Paul is a science educator from Bozeman, Montana, with more than 20 years of experience teaching high school science. Paul is well known for his YouTube video teaching a wide variety of science topics. His videos are organized by topic on his website, bozemanscience.com. Paul was the 2011 Montana Teacher of the Year. He was also one of four finalists for the 2011 Teacher of the National Teacher of the Year. Paul is currently working as an educational consultant traveling the globe to speak with teachers and students and provide workshops for teachers. Paul graduated from Montana State with a degree in biology with a broad field science certification, and he holds a master's degree of science in science education. Paul also co-hosted the Horizontal Transfer podcast with David Kanefke. <laughs> Welcome, Paul. It's so nice to uh, nice to, to chat. I love your podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes, and it's uh, it's fun to be on. Oh, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is now coming out. This is going to be our February episode. But literally two and a half hours ago, uh, David and Paul announced in the small community uh, that they are going to put the horizontal transfer co- podcast on pause. Uh, I think right. I don't know if the phrasing was hiatus or long term pause, uh, as both of their lives have been incredibly busy over the last yeah. year. But uh, as I said, this was like one of those things where like I didn't post anything in the Slack because I'm just like I'm just going to get them on here and yell at them. No, <laughs> <laughs> bring no. it on. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, it is it is one of it's that time of the year. It's that New Year's time of the year where you kind of look at your life and. Uh, I've just gotten so busy with travel, and I know David's job has changed as well. So uh, yeah. we're going to record after this. So it'll be fun to kind of chat with him and and see how he's doing. But it's been a long time. It surprised me when he said that we'd been doing it for two and a half years. Uh, it just seems like yesterday we started. Yeah, yeah. You guys have you guys have carried through quite a quite a, bit, a long time since both of your lives have changed quite a bit since your first uh, thought about that. So I may change my, uh, I may change one of my questions on you now that, that, that okay. Yeah. Middle, yeah. Bring so. it on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so let me, uh, start, uh, with the question I like to ask everyone. Um, how did you become a science teacher? Uh, what led you into the classroom? Right. So, um, well, first of all, I needed to get a job. That was, that's the quick <laughs> answer. So it took me, I always tell my own children this, it took me six years to get through university. And so, <laughs> I would. I was an English major for a while. I was pre-med for a while. Um, I was going to be a, a wildlife biologist for a while, and then finally um, met my wife and fell in love. And I needed to figure out what I was going to do, and kind of moved into education and fell in love with it. Um, I think just looking back at my own, uh, my family, my father and mother were both teachers. I have a lot of relations who are teachers. And so I think it seemed, it seemed natural. Um, but it was not easy. I'm just because it seems natural doesn't mean that it's ever easy. I think teaching is one of those jobs that you never really master. Um, but I started teaching in rural Montana. So my first job was on what we call the high line. So this is up near the Canadian border Mm -hmm. and I had really small classes. So I think I had around 12 kids in a class and taught all the sciences from grade seven life science all the way through chem physics, bio. And uh, it was a wonderful place to learn how to teach, but it's different than uh, where most people are at for sure. Yeah. And drove the bus and the snowplow and the... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did drive the bus. Yeah, I did everything. I would direct the pep van. That was probably the worst. Yeah, I was not very good at that. And our, our team was exceptionally good. Yeah. And so we had to keep going to tournaments. And I was like directing the, the band at these at these big tournaments. So it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, before that, I just did odd jobs, you know, worked in a sandwich shop, mowed lawns, yeah. worked at a guest ranch for a summer. And so but my first real professional job was was teaching. Wow. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting the number of people I talk to who say yeah, and then I realize, and this is that happened to, with Paul uh, Strode. I was talking to him a few uh-huh. weeks ago, right? And he's like, he's like, yeah, and then I had to go back and tell my parents that I needed to go back to school for two more years so I could become a teacher. <laughs> and, right. And yeah. I was talking to Lee Ferguson, and she said, and then I had to go back and tell my parents I'm not going to go to medical school, but I need to go to school for another year so I can become a teacher. Uh, this right. uh, this sort of wandering. It's almost like there's a reluctance to go into teaching, or there's a wandering right. to get to teaching, and I. I think those are two different pathways. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do think it was, I think that is maybe a problem that we have in the States is that it's not seen as a, a destination that you want to aim for, that yeah. it's almost seen as a, uh, fallback for, for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, I'm sure every job is, has its own challenges, but I found it to be challenging right away, but also invigorating. It's been a great career. Yeah. It, it's, it, you remind me a little bit of, um, I remember being told, you know, you're supposed to be doing this because I sort of wandered into my first teaching job. I, right. I I had actually applied to graduate school, but I wasn't even convinced that I was going to go to get my master's in education. Like I had had some uh-huh. positive experiences, but and I applied, but I, I still wasn't even sure. I applied to some other jobs during the summer and looked at a couple of different options. And I got hired to teach on like August 28th. Um, gotcha. at, at a school, um, like my wife was, my now wife was away and she came back and I'm like, yeah, I got a job teaching. Uh, she was like, you did while I was away. <laughs> uh, cause I was like, doesn't school start? And I was like, yeah, it starts. I have an, I have a job. And she's like, aren't you going to graduate school? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to graduate school. Um, so, you know, but it wasn't until I did that and somebody was like, yeah, no, you're, you're pretty, you know, this is hard and, but you have a knack at doing some aspects of this really well. Uh, that right. made me think, yeah, maybe, maybe this is the thing. And then a blink of an eye, it's 20 some odd years later. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been, how, how, how long have you been teaching? So this is 21. This is year 21. For okay. Me. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. It doesn't seem that long. I, I had my kids really confused. I teach in an alternative program and uh, one of uh-huh. our, one of our SPED assistants is a grad. Um, and uh, we were talking about when she was a student. So this was like 10 years ago or something like that. And I was talking about some of her classmates and one of the kids was like, were you a student then? I was like, oh no, I, I wasn't a student there. They're like, you were a teacher. They couldn't quite wrap their, they have no idea how old people are. Like you're no. over 20. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, there's clearly a huge age difference between the two of us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have more than a decade on the assistant, but to them, right. they can't tell a difference at all the no. grownups. It's great. So yeah. Once you get over that age, they lump you into old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm very, I'm very comfortable being old, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So uh, the thing you're probably best known for is your YouTube videos. Uh, you know, sometimes I hear the joke, you know, you're the, you're the YouTube biology teacher, which I know has mixed feelings about th- those words. But uh, so my question is, like, what, right. what prompted you to start making those videos? How did the, the genesis of, of the Paul Anderson YouTube video start? Right. Yeah, I think it was... It came from, uh, man, uh, a love of technology. I've always had a love of technology from the beginning. And right around then, which it must be, it's probably seven or eight years now ago that I started doing the videos on YouTube. I was I was just looking on how to use technology. And I noticed that some people were starting to use screen capture software mm-hmm. um, to kind of to explain how it works. And, uh, and I thought, man, I could just use this to do some lessons. And so I put together some early lessons um, and they were just for my students. So we were using Moodle as our learning management mm-hmm. system. I think at Bozeman High, they're still using Moodle as the, as the LMS. And so I was so putting I. together these videos for my kids. <laughs> yeah, and so the first, I mean, the fun, it's, it's, I've got some of those old videos and they're just awful. Um, <laughs> Cause you didn't, it, you're just learning. It's just like when you're starting your own, like you learning to do a podcast yeah. and getting all the audio right. And you just try different things yeah. and some things work and some things don't. So some of the first videos I did were on photosynthesis and respiration for my students. And mm-hmm. I made these videos and was super excited, told the kids, you know, coming into class, I put these videos together. I know you're struggling with photosynthesis. If you watch this, I think it's going to be helpful. And they were brutally honest, like those are really boring videos. <laughs> uh, I remember one of my early videos trying to add a background beat. So I downloaded <laughs> some some techno music and I thought it would make it more exciting. And so the kids are like, the, uh, you left your like your audio on, Mr. Anderson. We couldn't really focus on what you were trying to say, and so I just made more and more. Um, 
I had a friend, a good friend who said, you should put them on YouTube because they're on Moodle. Mm-hmm. You've already done it and it's just one click. And so you should do that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing positive feedback loop. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you're finding the same thing, just putting stuff out there. Yeah. That you put put material out there. And the first time you realize that someone is utilizing it, the first time you get feedback from somebody who said, I listened to what you said, or it just it makes you want to do it again. It makes you want to do, you know, a better job. And so I think six, 600 or 700 videos later, it's <laughs> that same thing. It was, so initially it was just me doing things for my students. Now I honestly, I don't have to do it for mm-hmm. my kids. Um, and it's a combination of um, just, I want to keep people happy so I could put stuff out there, but it's more like, I just want to learn new things. And yeah. so it's it's a way of me really understanding something and then kind of giving back. I've been working on the break on a bunch of videos on the nervous system mm-hmm. because I think, you know, I, the videos I'd done in the past were not good. And I didn't really fully understand what was going on with some sodium and potassium leak channels. <laughs> and so it's just been like yeah. nerding out on that. Um, and I, I guess it's just a hobby more or less now. <laughs> well, they do get great value. And it's it's one of those funny things that I remember, you know, coming across them the first time. And I was like, these are amazing. How do you come up with this? And then <laughs> and then sharing some of them out. And it was sort of interesting because the first time I shared them out, I thought they were like, oh, these are perfect. These are awesome. But it needs to hit kids in the right way. And so when I gave them to, some of them to some of my students, some of my students were like, these are awesome. I'm going to watch right. these. And others were like, eh, you know, they just they didn't connect to them. And so mm-hmm. I was like, so I, I had a little bit of a conversation with the students and then I made a couple of my own terrible videos. Um, and and those kind of hit a different group. So like right. your videos are perfect for some of the kids, but they're not good for right. all the kids. And my videos hit in a little different way. I also, and I know you've said this and I've heard you say things like this, when I make them, they match exactly what I want. You know, like your videos are, are right. wonderful, but they are much more a to a, a broader audience. They were to your students. They weren't to my right. students. You had them yep. with your own learning objectives and that sort of thing. So when I make them, I can tailor them into exactly the notes I want to hit in the order I want to hit them to set up For sure. those pieces. So I'm sort of in this interesting space where I, I'm, I'm starting to figure out how to use them a little bit. Uh, I still mm-hmm. use some of yours. I make some of my own back and forth, but I will say yours is a phenomenal catalog to go and like, you know, I had, I had this moment I was saying back in December where I, I ran through a lesson and I, I did a check-in with my kids and it was one of those moments you get as a teacher. You're like, right. yeah, they don't get this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was on, yeah. you know, it was on, it was on uh, DNA replication and we'd mm-hmm. gone through some things and I did a little lesson and I was doing a little check-in and just the feedback I got from the kids was they were confused. And so I, I went into your archive, I pulled up the replication video, I sent that out and then I redesigned a, a little check-in exercise with them two days later. And then it was right. like, yeah, that's, that's it. So, you know, it's really nice for that iterative process if, you know, I don't have the time to make a video to have the fact that you have done those and, you know, we've got you and we've got Crash Course and we've got it now this wealth of resources out there that, that we can use. Uh, right. So it's I, not, I think it would have been, for me, it would have been amazing when I was starting, especially teaching AP of just seeing another perspective from another teacher. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of it is, we all know that dance you do at night where you go home and I got to get ready for tomorrow. And I really fully don't understand whatever gene <laughs> maps and I have to figure this out and it's three hours later and you think you have it, but it would have been nice. I think for me to, yeah, to seeing somebody else's spin on it. Um, I think that's a lot of what teaching is. If it can open up a door so you can see it in a way that you maybe couldn't see it before. I think there's that. And, and for me, you've heard me whine about this forever. I love it when kids come to it, you know, on their own, like they were stuck and they discovered a video and that like meeting kids like that, it's amazing because they really, you helped them through a dark time that one day before (laughs) the test. Well, and I will say your, your NGSS videos, uh, particularly on the practices were that way for me where Uh I, I feel like it took me multiple rounds before I started to really understand the NGSS. Like my first reaction was, what are these really giant confusing tables? 
what's with all the colors and what's with all the boxes and i don't understand with that and we don't do common core and i don't understand what so like i had that sort of first initial overwhelm shut down but you know talking to a variety of people who Mm -hmm. are ahead of massachusetts massachusetts new standards are a twist on them and we adopted them less than a year ago Um, similar to what new york has done but uh, we do not have the cross-cutting concepts uh, so we're only a two-dimensional, if you want to think about gotcha. it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were late to adopt, and so I started having conversations with friends of mine who teach in California or for other places, and they would just everyone says just wonderful things about the next-gen science standards. And I'm like, all right, well, if all these people I know and respect who are really good teachers look at these and are working with them and are saying wonderful things, then I am just being like bullheaded if I don't take another shot at it. And I know I went through several right. of your videos, uh, and for me that was a huge help. So um, in terms of that breakdown, so. So I, I, for me, I, I definitely agree with you that hearing, having the opportunity to not annoy my friends and say, all right, sit down and explain this. But instead I could watch right. the video on the science mm-hmm. practice uh, and have somebody explain that was really wonderful. So, yeah, no, so. it's been fun. And it was, it was, again, that was, that was totally just, uh, I don't really understand these. I know they're a big deal. I'd gone to a regional NSTA conference and everyone was talking about it and uh-huh. I felt like I was kind of out of the loop. And so <laughs> I just told somebody there, I'm going to make a set of videos on this. And I, I wish I could go back and do them over obviously. Um, cause I think my understanding's changed quite a bit since then, but I yeah. think it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a good way of learning, I think, of yeah. trying to assemble it and trying to to speak to someone else. I think I'd seen a, it was a YouTube video I saw recently of the Feynman method of learning. I don't know. It was one of those, uh, an animated kind of a YouTube. I'll try to find a link for it. But mm-hmm. it was, that's that's how Richard Feynman said he would, the best way to learn was to try to explain it to other people. And I, I totally agree with that. I think all teachers say that same thing. Yeah. I didn't really know it until I had to teach it. Yeah. So that means something must be going on. Yeah, I know I've definitely been changing my classroom to increase the amount of time that my students explain things to one another right. and in small groups, as opposed to, you know, the stand and deliver method that we, we all started with, where here's my notes and I'm standing in front of the board and I'm talking, uh, definitely breaking that down because you learn so much as a teacher by teaching that having the students, you know, micro scale break down and talk about those little pieces is so powerful. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just like learning, it's like learning a new language. And you know, (laughs) man, I took so many Spanish classes, never learned to speak Spanish. And I would always be thrown into situations when we were in South America where I really got to jump in and try this. And every time you did, you would, you would, you would pick up a lot. Um, But we don't give them an opportunity to do that enough in our science classes. I I didn't. Yeah. I'm definitely, I, I definitely growing and getting there. Um, but right. yeah. Um, nice. so now that you are an educational consultant, uh, an educator from right. Bozeman, Montana, uh, I guess the question, the natural question is like, so what does that mean? <laughs> so right. like, uh, like uh, how do you connect with schools and districts and professional development? Like how, you know, like you have like, it sounds like I could have this luxurious version of you having an agent who's like out there, you know, like uh, booking you gigs, you know, like you're an actor, right. uh, but like, yeah, how, yeah. how does it work? No, she's wonderful. My agent's beautiful. Uh, she's my wife as well, Laura. And so she, so that part is right. It's pretty luxurious. Um, it is, I would say your idea of what a consultant is like is fr- very similar to what I thought a consultant would do. Yeah. And it's unlike what a consultant does totally. Um, so the first year I took a year off from teaching, I got invited to do some keynotes and Went to some conferences and spoke, um, like went to, I think, a NSTA conference and spoke on kind of my classroom and how I'd put it together. But the first time I really understood what a consultant was is I went to a couple of international schools, one in China and then one in Japan. And a consultant is not like teachers would love to have me come and talk about teaching science. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, science teachers don't have a lot of pull in a district <laughs> and there's not a lot of. You know what I mean? You you're you've been a teacher for 20 years. They're yeah. not administrators aren't coming to you and saying, "Oh, who could we get in to inspire you?" Um, and so your role as consultant is to do a job that an administrator needs done that they couldn't do it on their own. And so for me, almost 100 100% of my work now is working with districts that have adopted the NGSS. Mm-hmm. So they've done it just in 
in name only a lot of the time, but they want to actually get change going on in their in their school. And so it it is that. So it's working with them. It's working with all levels from elementary up through high school. Um, it's figuring out how are we going to change our assessments? How are we going to plan all of this? So it's it's doing things that like they wouldn't be able to do that. And when I say they, I mean the curriculum specialists wouldn't be able to do. That's generally who bring you in. Yeah. Um, because they don't have a background in science. And lots of times science teachers will just push back on the curriculum directors and no. say, you don't, <laughs> I don't know if your school is like mine. That's generally what happens. And so they can just, yeah, a lot of the time they can just buffalo the administration into not changing. Yeah. And I think people like yourself are unique. People who are teachers in a district, but they're professionals and see that they are connected to a bigger community. And as a professional, if something new comes out, like the NGSS, you were drawn to it through curiosity, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Um, and almost a professional obligation. And that's not most of the teachers in a school. Most of the teachers don't see themselves as that. But teachers, it's just that they're not connected to this wider um, community. And so a lot of the time what I'm doing is is working with those teachers. Um, and, and the best way to do that is to do kind of what we've done in our bigger, wider community. It's forming relationships. So, I mean, it's getting to know them, getting to know who they are as a teacher. I mean, districts where I've made like big change as a consultant, it's been years. It's been a couple of years working with t with schools and going back and going back. And mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's not one way. It's never just like me saying, this is what you should do. It is me learning from them and teaching lessons. And it's something that a lot of the time international schools can afford, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and in the States, we don't have that, the money and we don't have that commitment. But a lot of the time... You know, their students are paying $30,000 a year to go there yeah. and they want the best education that they can. And that requires like hard work and it requires hopefully <laughs> a consultant like myself occasionally at least. Well, they, it's, it's funny. You were in that, that Taipei school um, and they have a bio builder and they had an iGEM team. And uh, a few years ago I brought my little shoestring uh, synthetic biology team to the iGEM okay. high school competition. And <laughs> right. I saw, it was like literally one of those, it was literally one of those moments where it's like, oh, so like you have a team of engineers and I have this box of Lincoln right. logs uh, right. <laughs> where like I shoestring together this team that we were totally in over our depth. And I was like yeah. so proud to get my kids to iGEM. No, it's like Hoosiers. Yeah, it's like yeah. Hoosiers, but... but yeah, Hoosiers but, where you lose. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Hoosiers, but it was like it was like ninety seven to ten. <laughs> it was, we got blown out. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a very uh, well. They were in Cambridge, so like I got my kids to have their parents like drive them into Cambridge, uh, and you. they flew their whole team over and stayed right. in Cambridge. For the, it was like all right, yeah, we're just not even we're not playing the same game. Uh, but yeah, it is a it is an interesting thing. Although you say that about the the professional development, and I've already like. I have my three-year plan for how I'm going to have Paul Strode uh, run professional development of my school in a couple of years. No, <laughs> yeah, when yeah, I get I mean, that is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. when I get them I mean, to I, change their grading policies. <laughs> no, it's and and for me that's one thing that's been a good. It's been a big change. So I've been I've started to do a lot more here. So I did a bunch in California. Now I'm going to be next week. I'm going to New York State, and I'm going to do a lot of regional conferences there. And those are going to be teachers who aren't going to a national conference. They're just teachers, and yeah. I I love working with that. I love finding them where they are. And then, uh, man, you learn a bunch from everybody. I think yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah. I think also when you do those, um, you, when you come into a place where people are all ready to go, yeah, you can do some great things, but you also learn a lot about the process. It's the same thing as when you go and teach a lesson, you know, a group of teenagers never like go, Oh yes, we're going to totally buy in 100%. You get a little pushback, you get questions yep. and you have to refine your understanding and you have to refine your message and you sometimes have to even re refine your goals. Um, right. It's very easy. Um, during this break, I've been listening to and, and reading um, 
sort of uh, along that line of, of the the gradeless classroom and and that sort okay. of thing which is right. it you know people some people like escapist uh, you know escapist fiction uh, this is <laughs> this is escapist fiction for where i teach because the concept right. that my school is going to go gradeless is just like it's never going to happen it, you know i don't want to say it's never going to happen but i would say right. like if these people came in and walk, ta- walked into our school and as gung ho as they want to be they would like just see a lot of blank stares you know there'd be some people who would be totally on board but similar to what you said, I think most people wouldn't be receptive. And I'm not going into it because I'm looking to, you know, turn over the apple cart. I'm looking at it from a, what are the things that are not right in my, you know, in my current system that I'm not happy right. with. And there are definitely some mirror pieces that I like. And we have been talking a lot about de-emphasizing grades in my school. Um, and this is sort of the extreme version of that. So it's been very right. interesting to listen to and um, and hear you know, the ideas from somebody who's in a very different space, who teaches in a different building, because I can hear any day about what it is we currently do. But to get somebody's yeah. perspective that's totally different, um, you know, that's what I've been doing. One of the things I've been doing over break is uh, is, 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 is thinking about that, which I part of me thinks is just completely dangerous because now I've got all these ideas in my head and I'm going to be like going back into school <laughs> with these ideas about how I want to change things and then, you know, have to modulate and get into that middle space, uh, which, is, yeah. which is a good place to work. But uh, no, I, certainly... no, I think nothing but the like I would imagine you're going back to school tomorrow. Is that right? Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, nothing like the the reality of I have to teach tomorrow will quickly <laughs> <laughs> dissuade you from the radical uplift of your yeah. class. I think it's hard. Well, yeah. yeah, but it's good to hear from all. I mean, for me, I could just go to the teacher's lounge every day if I wanted to hear the same thing that yeah. I'd always heard at our yeah. school. Um, but I think it would it would never challenge me. And I think I would just stagnate as a teacher. Yeah. So this uh, sort of prompts my question originally was going to be <clears throat> what prompted you to start horizontal transfer? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Because I know I think of the conversation we're just having is sort of part of the reason you guys started to, to start horizontal transfer that you and, and David had all of these conversations and you decided right. to sort of continue a regular conversation. But I, I guess the more appropriate conversation is why have you decided to end horizontal transfer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I mean, for me, the beginning was uh, I, I I think we started right when I was moving out of the classroom. So yeah. um, I was thinking I think I was taking a sabbatical that year and yeah. uh, I had a group of teachers that I would meet with every week and we would meet on our own time during lunch and we would talk about things that were they were not standard like uh, teachers lounge conversations. Yeah. These were like all of us aren't teaching there anymore. You know, we were all <laughs> looking for something else. And so one of the people is at an international school, one moved to Germany, one's teaching at the university. And so it's like a lot of us have moved out of that. Some are administrators and some have retired, but I missed that, that weekly just touching, touching base with somebody and, and floating ideas. And so I'd known David through NABT for a while and, um, I'd floated the idea a while ago of we should just do a podcast. <laughs> um, because I knew, I mean, the one thing about David is whatever you might think you're good at, he will be better at it than you. Um, and, <laughs> and he'll be like, yeah, no big deal. Do this. Like he, there's no excuses with David. And so that's one thing I like about him. And so once, once we kind of headed down that path, it was great. It was great for me. I think I grew quite a bit. Um, during the, during the show, I think we'd done about 81 episodes and, I know that I've changed position on a lot of a lot of things, and I'm I'm sure David has as well. And so, for me, it was that um, the reason why we're ending. I just am too busy, so um, I'll be heading off on another, I don't know, like 50 day trip. And <laughs> I feel like I just you can't manage that weekly checking in, and that's what I think made it successful in the first couple of years was. We always met. We always met once a week. There was a scheduled time where we would sit down and talk. And I think once that was gone, it was nice to have people fill in. But then I don't know. You just like at the beginning, it was so exciting. Like I was I was so excited to record the next one. And Mm -hmm. somebody listened and somebody left feedback. And over the last few months, it's just been, oh, I got to do that. I have to get ready for this. And it became something that I had to do, not something that I just I wanted to do. And I think, uh, I don't know, it'll be fun to talk to David about that next hour we're going to record. <laughs> but I, I have a feeling he he might feel the same way. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and you guys are also both in very different spaces. I, I would say that as a 
as a listener, it was, you know, um, the right professional development as a listener at the right time. Um, right. You know, as somebody who is a podcast listener, who somebody who is in a, a particular space, uh, the number of times, um, you know, th- th- I, this is my podcast, so I get to do what I want. So I get to now say things to you face to face that I've <laughs> like <laughs> nodding had the time when you told the story about, uh, you know, being a coach and and having things change where you went from being a, a coach to not being a coach as a teacher. Right. Like, mm-hmm. man, like you could have, you could not have summed up a bigger transition for me. Um, and I think you put right. it into words that I would have, I've never said it that way, but I had for a long time been a soccer coach. Um, that was, you know, my identity, my first 10 years teaching, I, you know, I taught and I coached, but the time I spent when I was in the classroom, yeah, I prepped my classes and I graded and stuff like that. But the professional development I went to was soccer coaching. Uh, you know, yeah. I, went, I went and worked on my coaching and I, 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 that was sort of the, that was the professional development time I spent. And that was the thing I enjoyed. And then through a, a variety of experiences that at the time felt like somebody was ripping my heart out, um, I stopped coaching. <laughs> and it was really a, a very hard thing. And it was hard for a lot of reasons, but also because it really was changing my identity. Like right. who, who I was, you know, when you're, 30 something years old. And then all of a sudden the identity that you've cultivated for a decade now changes. Um, it's, it's a really hard time. And so sort of your story about that, <laughs> about changing and going through that, I, it put a different spin on something that I had been through. And now it's, you know, at the time I couldn't have heard it. Um, but looking back, it's like, you know, I was, I, I was the Massachusetts OBT, uh, winner a couple of years ago. And really, that was the culmination of the six years work that happened before that, which right. started after I stopped coaching. I went through a transition and then started taking all of that time and energy and focus that I spent on the soccer field and started focusing it in the classroom. So very much sort of your talk of, well, I lost this thing. And so I started making these videos. And <laughs> with this transition, it, it was such a such a moment for me that I was listening and going, Oh my God, I did that. <laughs> and I never, <laughs> and I never thought of it at all that that was how the arc had gone. But when you sort of went through that and talked about that, it was probably like 25, 30 episodes ago, but it was, right. it was one of those moments where I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, not unique. So I feel like for me, it's been wonderful. I think it's, um, uh, listening, as you sort of said with the videos, listening to somebody else talk about their process of thinking right. about topics, it, it sometimes reveals things about yourself as well right. as gives you other perspective. So for me, that was uh, <laughs> that was really nice. Great. It's nice to hear that. Yeah, David never knows what I'm talking about when I'm talking <laughs> about coaching. So. Well, that <laughs> that part for me was such a yeah. I, I no, remember, yeah, I remember that was, distinctly. It resonates with me too because it was. I mean, when I was in university, it was I was an athlete, and then I was like that. Coaching took a big place mm-hmm. of that. I enjoyed the teaching for sure, but it was. It was the point at which I was able to commit fully to that. And you have so much time. I think people don't understand how much time coaching really takes. <laughs> yeah. Because um, all that free time, especially if you have a family, all that free time on the weekend is just gobbled up. And yep. so, yeah, you can't have time to uh, pursue anything that seems, yeah, that seems interesting as well. That's cool. It's nice to hear. Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. Uh, in spite of the fact that, you know, I don't know, I think the Slack is, <laughs> the Slack is going to be a love fest. We all love you guys. So it's not, <laughs> nobody's going to yell at you no matter, no matter how much we're going to be missing it. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we keep the Slack alive and keep people keep talking. Um, yeah, for al- sure. although I know I've moved a lot of those conversations have moved over to Twitter as well. So, uh, That's it's, nice. it's, it's been really good. Have you been to the NABT? So I was not at NABT this year, but I was there two okay. years ago. Um, okay. It was right. it was crushing that I wasn't at NABT this year. Uh, I just right. couldn't I couldn't get there. Uh, but hopefully next year I'm going to be at NSTA uh, in March and in March beginning of April. So uh, nice. I know I'll see a few a few people there. Very cool. No, so. it's not that sense of community is great. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, presenting is a big deal, but it does like you have to give back to the community as well. And so yeah. it's always hard to do, but yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, so you've now moved into consulting, and um, so now I guess the question is that when you first went into consulting, you we said you went on sabbatical, and so right. you took a year leave, and I don't know if mm-hmm. they gave you a second year leave or that was like yeah they did <laughs> yeah the suckers, <laughs> <laughs> and then you turned in your keys, uh, yeah, and so you're now not connected to it. But I guess the question is is like do you see yourself someday having a single school or single classroom or 
you know, is, is, is a single school or a single classroom too big to contain Paul Anderson now, now, <laughs> now that you've traveled the world? <laughs> no, I think it, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really honest question. I think yeah. it is unlike teaching, like teaching is the nice thing about teaching is that it's, you have a job, uh, for the most part. And next year, if you do a good job, you'll have a job again and you can keep doing that. And so consulting right now, I mean, it's working, like I'm super busy and I think next year I'll be super busy, but I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after that. And I've become like a businessman. You have to, it's, it's, it's weird. Like all of that has to be taken care of by me. And so right now it's great. Um, and I'd like to keep doing this for a while. Um, I feel like, I think it would be, we we always go through those like you described it as an identity crisis like what am i who <laughs> yeah. am i like what am i going to do those big decisions in our lives and i think for me last year i kind of realized oh i i understand what this is what this job is mm-hmm. uh, and i understand what it entails it's it's some of the skills that i had as a teacher but it's a whole other set of skills that i didn't know i i needed to have mm-hmm. but i'm going to have to learn about assessments and standards based grading and all these things <laughs> And I'm going to have to learn about like the administrative side, like what is Atlas Rubicon and how do we control this and how do we do professional development? And so it's like I have to learn all these different things. And so right now I'm just super excited about where I'm at. So mm-hmm. I can't see myself changing right now. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it, there are downsides to this that I'm sure will quickly become apparent. I'm on the road quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. So it'll be, I'll be gone for 50 days in a row and I won't see my wife that time. And so that's hard. Um, but then I just, I'm coming off of like 40 days where I've been home the entire time. Um, and so it's, it's a different kind of a thing. (laughs) Um, so I don't know, we'll see how it goes. I definitely would love to teach again. Um, I just don't know where that's going to be. Um, but I've seen so many cool schools out there that once my kids are older, I could see going to maybe teaching an international school again or doing something else uh, like that. I feel like I'm losing. It's another one of the reasons that I feel like um, a horizontal transfer. It's like when I was always in the classroom and really close to the mm-hmm. metal, I felt like I could give information back to people that would be readily usable. And now it feels like I'm extracting more than that. Like when it comes to the actual teaching, I, you know, I've, I've, I forgot the name of some new tech tool that everyone's using or people are way into argumentation. And I feel like, like it used to be, I was always on the cutting edge and now I'm just yeah. learning a different school, like a different skill set. Yeah. Um, and it bothers me though. I always, <laughs> I don't want to be, yeah. I, I like to always be on the cutting edge. FOMO. And He's I've, getting FOMO. <laughs> yeah. You're missing out and what's so, in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a different set of skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's, <laughs> I don't think the people who would be interested in what I'm learning right now, I'm really excited about it, but I think that's a different set of people. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, there, there's an arc of learning that you're going through. And so yeah. it's going to be this interesting path that you're on right now to see at what pace do you lose connection to classroom because you still are connected to classes in your in your role so it's not like you're completely separated um at the same time you're also learning so the learning side is very refreshing and you're getting all of these things you need to learn that keep you exciting and you know excited and refreshed and you've got that connection to classroom strikes me that there may come a point where the learning curve is going to slow and the separation right. from the classroom is going to grow. The question is so. between now and whatever retirement is <laughs> right. yeah. or whatever, you know, the 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 next that next iteration of of who you are, it'll be a curious arc to see what that is. And I think um, you know, when we started teaching, I remember the first few years I started teaching, everyone kept asking me the question, you know, oh, so when are you going to become an administrator? Like, when are you going to do that? Because right. I think the yeah. view of a lot of people was as a teacher, you ran the classroom, but leaders are the people who run the building. And so the only way, like the progression for somebody who is smart and capable and, you know, bullheaded and has opinions like me would be <laughs> that I go from the classroom into like being an administrator and that would be sort of the arc but in reality throughout our career you can be a leader without being an administrator and you can do that in a variety of different ways you can be an administrator 
Or right. you could be a consultant or you could be a teacher who takes on leadership roles. Um, and so I think that as we change in our career, you have to sort of stop and reevaluate and ask the question, all right, am I doing the thing that really nurtures me? Um, and right. for you, that was to go on into consulting because that was that was the time. That was the right spot. For David, it right. was to go into administration. But right. I'm sure that, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, if what you're doing is not feeding that that desire to learn does not fire, you know, doesn't stoke the fires. You're not going to be somebody who's going to be like, well, I can grind it out and collect paycheck. Like that's just not, right. that's just not your nature. So yeah, it'll be, I think the thing, yeah, the thing that this taught me is that, uh, I'm brave enough to try something like really, I mean, you really have to make a bet that people are going (laughs) to want, they're going to bet on me. Um, and, and I think that is, is something that I I would have been so cautious of before. Um, you literally have to take a leap. And so I like how you frame it. I think I, my wife says this to me a lot. She's like, you want to do everything. <laughs> I get um, that too. <laughs> and she's like, she said, you need to focus on three things. Like, what are the three things that you're going to focus on? Yeah. And, you know, horizontal transfer was one of those things for a while that, podcast was one of those things that I really wanted to focus on yep. and now it's not yeah for me it is I, I don't I, I've listened I've listened to so many podcasts over the years <laughs> and they tend to just come and then they just go <laughs> and so yeah. this will be an interesting day I don't I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast when they said like all right we're done let's talk about the end um, it's more like they just quit doing it and so I don't know now I'm kind of talking about a couple of different things but <laughs> Um, well, you know, no, I think life's good. It, it's funny because like I actually I, I have one podcast that I remember I've had, a, you know, the phrase that you're thinking of as pod fading that they right, use in yeah, podcasting yeah. that all of a sudden they just stop putting them out. And it's weird. But you guys are actually being very mindful. There's one podcast that I used to listen to. Uh, it was the one with uh, Tignataro. Uh, the comedian Tignataro did it, um, which for whatever reason I'm blanking on right now. Uh, it was something like Professor or uh-huh. something. Uh, but they they actually decided because of her career and what was going on that they were going to stop the podcast. And I remember when the podcast came up and I saw the title of the podcast, I was like, oh no, they're quitting. <laughs> right. Like the, it was like goodbye. Like that was the title of their thing. And you could tell that it had been, it had been building. I think people who decide that their podcasts are going to stop sort of have the arc that, you know, you guys have had over the last six months where you can tell as a listener that it has been logistically challenging to keep doing the podcast because, you know, you're people and you have lives and you have to balance those things. Um, But that's like the only one I remember where people made a conscious decision to stop, you know, before, before today. Um, (laughs) So, so that's, yeah, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I, I actually appreciate uh, you guys being thoughtful about it because I think it, um, it does give a a good perspective. And again, sort of revealing the process. I think you guys will talk about that uh, today, the process of of what you've gone through. That's great. So Mm. when you are uh, not making videos and you're not consulting uh, and, you know, it's minus 20 degrees outside, uh, (laughs) what does Paul Anderson like to do? (laughs) It is, it is cold today. It was like (laughs) minus three this morning and, uh, it was freezing because I had to, it was the, today's the day you disassemble the Christmas tree. So all the ornaments go back in the box yep. and then you have to drive the tree to the recycling place or whatever, the mulching spot. Yep. And it was freezing. Out. Yeah. Um, but we get outside and do stuff in the winter. So we are big Nordic skiers. And yeah. so we go out, I think I've been, yeah, over the last few weeks, I've been out a dozen times just skiing. Um, we live about 10 miles from the mountains, uh, five miles from the mountains. So 10 minutes. And so you can get there and we can go up skiing into national forests. And that's kind of what we do in the summer. We do, um, a lot of hiking, uh, and just kind of get out into the mountains. Um, I like the internet. So that's another thing (laughs) that I like to do. Uh, I think around this time of the year, it is, it's fun to watch movies. I like to watch movies and uh, I watch a little Netflix with the family. So yesterday yeah. we were working through the the only the original Star Wars uh, episode. Oh, so yeah. we were we we'd seen the New Hope and we were just in the middle of Return of the Jedi. So I have some some secret, highly edited, highly illegal versions that I've got off of the <laughs> Internet that don't have all the crap George Lucas added later. And so. 
it's been fun. Uh, so yeah, just nerdy stuff. But yeah. I like to get out into the mountains. It's beautiful here. Yeah. Did you did you see Rogue One yet? We did. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. You know, I really loved Force Awakens. I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. This one, I thought there was the story was kind of interesting. There were yeah. some. I was confused at the beginning. I felt like I was watching a Star Trek movie for a little while. Uh-huh. I kept jumping around. Yeah. Um, but I love, I just love the universe. Kind of. I like the Star Wars universe. I yep. like that gritty kind of a, I, I look forward to more movies being made. I don't want it to get Marvelized where it's just so many movies out there. I worry about that a little yeah. bit. Um, so I'm, cons- yeah, I want the next two to be good. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah, we we saw we we ended up getting uh, the Force Awakens for the boys got it as a uh, as a Christmas present. So we had watched that, and then we went to Rogue One as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so like we did right. those like almost back to back in our nice. household over the break. So yeah, we've we've done that. The kids the kids enjoy that. Um, I I know what you mean though. But uh, my wife turned to me early on. There's a I don't want to give away anything about the movie, but in Rogue One, <laughs> there is this sequence in like 15 minutes where like they show a planet and they show the name and they show this place and they show a name. Yeah. And my wife turns to me like 15 minutes in and she's like, "There's gonna be a quiz at the end, right? <laughs> because like they are. There's a lot of stage setting and it's important and it's stuff that comes back." later but there's definitely a this funny moment that happens early on where you're like am i supposed to remember the name of all of these places in this universe yeah. and i'm sure there's people <laughs> who are way geekier than i who are like oh thank god they're at that planet but <laughs> I, I, I like watching them but i i'm not that big a star horse geek <laughs> no it was fun. i mean it was enjoyable yeah. i had fun it was just it was fun to go to a movie and the, but then we watched force awakens again and that was really there are some there are some plot holes and character kind of confusion in that as well but it's just the acting is so good and i yeah. really i love the main characters yeah. uh in that and i thought they're yeah the interplay is really good so who knows maybe yeah. star wars podcasts in the future we'll, see. <laughs> well i'll say this that <laughs> having having grown up watching the first three like one of my earliest right. memories ever um and i must have been like three or four years old is i remember being in a parking lot with my dad and someone telling us that star wars was sold out like, I don't remember going to Star Wars in the 70s. Right. Like, and it must have been like the second time they ran them in 79, because I, I can't imagine I would have remembered them in 77. But I remember being somewhere with my dad and he was going to take me to see Star Wars and somebody coming out and walking by us and us being in a parking lot in a movie theater and somebody saying, no, it's sold out. And and my dad being like disappointed. And then we got back in the car. Right. And that's, I just, I, it's like one of those flash memories from childhood. Uh, and so I was raised on those movies and then suffering through those, the, the, the prequels, the prequels which was yeah. just awful to have the right. last two movies are, you know, in the spirit of those first, the, the movies that we grew up watching, I guess that's, yeah, I think that's, good. that's the fun part. So, all right, Very cool. before we get to, to picks of the episode, do you have any questions for me? I, I tell me what's what's your plan? So you're going to run out of people eventually. So <laughs> well, <laughs> you're going to keep growing the community, or what's the yeah, plan? Yeah. So I, you know, it, you know, you talked a little bit about podcasts starting and they grow. Um, and I was like really upset when I first came up with this idea because I had this idea that I was going to find like a really good partner <clears throat> and meet with them on a weekly basis and have a back and forth about certain topics. Um, but I didn't want to be uh-huh. too derivative. Uh, but now that space is wide open. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, for the next, you know, I still have a list of a handful of people who I haven't talked to uh, right. that are on my list. And, you know, every summer I go and do professional development and do various things. So, you know, I definitely I committed to doing this for a year. That was my that was sort of my professional development goal was to do this for a year. And Very I'm going to cool. I'm going to re- I'm going to sort of reevaluate at the end of the year and decide, right. is this something I want to keep doing? Um, I've also been a little bit inspired by some of the people I've talked to about maybe I should be doing some different types of creating. So maybe on my website, I should be maybe doing some blogging in in between episodes and posting some things right. out. And maybe should I, you know, start working on some of my thought processes about some of the other ideas I have about teaching in other ways. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think that I, I see this going and changing. Um I also would like to do some roundtable podcasts where I bring in a couple of people and say, uh, you know, cool. the one that I want, really want to do is I'd like to get two or, you know, a couple of people and hang out and talk before we go to NSTA conference and, and talk to some experienced people and say, all right, so we're heading off to NSTA conference in the next couple of weeks. You know, what's your approach? 
Um, because I know that when I first went to my first NSTA, which was in 99 in Boston, it was like so overwhelming. Like it was, first of all, like Boston's conference area is so much better now than it was then. It was like in a million hotels and it was like scattered everywhere. And like, I had no idea what I was doing. And so it was like really overwhelming. And so I got some stuff out of it, but I did feel, I definitely had this feeling like I got a little out of this but I didn't know what I was doing and I should have gotten more out of it. And I sort of failed to achieve what I should have gotten out of it. And then the next time I went to it, I got more out of it because I had that, that feeling from the first time and every conference I go to now, I definitely, I kind of go in with goals, but I also am now veteran enough to realize, Nope, this is not something will spark an interest in me and I'll be like totally changed and I'll be like, I think the last one I went to, last NSTA I went, I was going to like, I was all about learning about NGSS because it was just about to happen and I was about right. to go and I went in there and I went to the first NGSS workshop I went to and it was too early and I went to it and I was like, these people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, they're not ready to talk about this. And so like I totally shifted gears and I picked up a bunch of different workshops and I had a grand old time. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what other people's approaches are because I'm sure that I'm not the only person who like reasons out and thinks about it in advance. So I'd love to hear how other people tackle that and you know, you know, how do people tackle their summer professional development and how do people do like there's so many things that I can learn um, from so right. many different people that you know maybe i i mix in some different formats as we go so very cool well i'm just getting skyped by my friend david kanofsky so All i'm right. gonna have to you want to quickly yeah i you... could i could throw you my pick of the week my yeah. pick of the week is uh schwartz passmore and riser they put together a book that's at nsta press yep and it's what i'm reading this uh this christmas it's wonderful and if you're just getting started on ngss and how this is different than regular inquiry it's wonderful, but I'm not done. So yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to recommend it. Uh, yeah. I don't remember how much I got. You can get an e-version if you're in NSDA. It wasn't that expensive, but that's my pick. And I'm going to have to go. All right. Well, I have to go uh, Go say goodbye to my good friend, David Kanofsky. All right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I will read my okay. pick of the week after you are done and um, say hi good. to David for me. And I will uh, talk to you sometime Cheers. later. Cheers. Thanks again, Aaron. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. All right, now that we've lost Paul, I will uh, give my pick of the week, which is uh, Dr. Racaniello's Virology Lectures on YouTube. Uh, those are a basically a 20-something videos um, where it's one-hour lectures on virology. So if you want to really geek out on learning about virology, I know Paul mentioned that he was geeking out on the nervous system and making videos about nervous system. Uh, for me, this has been a really great a way of diving deep into some of the topics that we touch upon with our students. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't get into, you know, all of the where's and why's. And um, I find that as I've been going through them over break, they've been really wonderful and, and have showed me a lot of other ways I could make connections within my own mind to strengthen my teaching. Uh, he also hosts, hosts a bunch of podcasts, including This Week in Virology and This Week in Microbiology. So uh, I recommend checking those out as well. So uh, again, Paul, we lost Paul. Paul <laughs> disappeared to go talk to David uh, Kanefke and wrap up their Horizontal Transfer podcast. Uh, I want to thank him again for joining me. This episode and every episode has music brought to you by Jank Jenkins and Ex-Magicians. You can subscribe to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, any other place that podcasts are found. Uh, you can give feedback on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. Uh, you can also see show notes for this and every episode on lifeofschool.org. So thanks again for joining me and I will talk to you soon.